All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to the Culture Hour, another edition of fun, new, exciting topics. Today we're very excited um, about our guests, as we always love our guests. But until then, uh, introduction. My name is Shelley Smith, the founder of Premier Rapport in the Culture Hour, and I am Elizabeth Veliz, Vice President of HR and Organizational Development at Virginia Premier. We are so happy uh, to be back together in force. We haven't had a, a mutual yay. taping together in a while, so yay. I know, it's been a while. It has, it has. So uh, welcome again to our audience and followers, and Elizabeth and I are just thrilled today. Um, we have what you may see as a familiar face. Um, he's been on the scene for years. He's the founder of uh, Culture Works. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, Culture yes. Works. Best-selling author, I'm sure you've heard of probably, I, I know one of the ones that I first heard Elizabeth talking about, Adrian Gothic, our, our guest here today was the Carrot Principle, which I absolutely love, All In, and uh, The Win, is that correct as well? The, the best, the best, best team, team wins. Win. There yeah, you go. Yeah. So um, I can't wait to read that one. I don't have my copy yet, and uh, maybe he'll even sign it for me if I send it over to you, right? Absolutely. So today, of course, it's called the Culture Hour, so we're going to talk everything culture. Um, but first, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Adrian? Give the audience a perspective of how you got started, um, maybe some things that you've learned over the years, and then we'll just dive in and, and see what's going on in the world of culture today. Yeah, thanks, Shelley. Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with our work, we've We've written now you know, 11 books on employee engagement, on culture, on rewards and recognition. So we, as Shelly says, we have been around a little while doing this. What's been fun is, in fact, I just got back yesterday from Kuwait, where we were you know, taking some of our ideas to the Arab world and where they're, they're very well um, accepting of of some of these Western ideas that we have on employee engagement and culture. And, you know, as, as we, we do work though, we've, we've surveyed now, Chester Elton, my co-author and I surveyed almost a million employees about wow. really what it is that drives great cultures and what are some of the things that maybe some cultures are missing. And so I'm so glad that you're focusing just on culture because it really is one of the last differentiators left. You know, you know, as you know, you can, people can replicate your products, your pricing, et cetera. Um, you know, we have all this talk about, is it big data? Is it customer service? What is it that differentiates us? Well, it's our people. And our people are differentiated if we have a very clear, defined culture. So that's really where our work has taken us. We started in the world of rewards and recognition, but very quickly our clients pushed us to, to do more and to help them with their culture. So over the years, we've had a chance to help American Express with their culture, Rolls-Royce. Uh, we've, we're, you know, we're working now with, with Ford and we're working with, with some wonderful organizations that are trying to really define themselves and figure out where they are and where they're going. And we also work with a lot of smaller organizations too. So it's been a lot of fun. It's taken us around the world to, to do some really I think, fun and also impactful work. Beautiful. So are, is there any common threads that you want to share with us that you're seeing in today's workplace culture, you know, woes that, for example, the, the disengagement numbers have remained the same for a decade. So I'm curious to, is your perspective, is there anything that's different or just the challenge just continues to be real and hard? 
No, that's a great question. And we really are finding, in fact, our new book we, we put out with Simon Schuster this past spring was called The Best Team Wins. And what we did was exactly what you're talking about. What are some of those great teams, those great organizations doing differently than others really weren't doing, you know, just even a few years ago? And we did find some differences as we, we analyzed the data. And we, we also interviewed lots of great organizations, went in there. And what we found were a few things that really are different. First off, the speed of change, as, as we all know, has just accelerated. So what great organizations are doing, they're bringing people on much faster. They're getting them up to speed much, much more effectively. Um, using ideas that we call like, you know, creating security with them from, from day one, creating an affiliation with the organization, providing context for them so they understand where they fit. Um, some of the other things we found too that are very different is like, for example, with employee engagement, as you say, we've been worrying about employee engagement since really the late 80s, and yet nothing has changed. Employee right. engagement scores are not improving. So what we found in the best organizations, they've realized we've been doing it all wrong. We try to implement these employee engagement solutions across the system. Those typically don't work. We're all very, very different. Right. And what we're finding is a term we call managing to the one, where we have to realize Shelly and Elizabeth are going to have very different drivers, and I have to manage them in very different ways. In the past, we used to say, oh, we manage everybody the same because that's fair. Yeah. What we've realized is that's actually stupid. You yeah. know, you're very different. You yeah. know, Elizabeth needs time off because she just got this four-month-old puppy. You know, <laughs> maybe she needs a little bit more time, where Shelly maybe wants more time with the CEO and more time to, to climb the corporate ladder. You know, we're all very different, and we all need to be managed in very different ways. So we started finding these really unique elements of, of great teams that are, you're right, very different. And then the needle, needle starts moving. So, so I'm, I'm going to jump in really quick because I, uh, uh, for those of you in our audience that don't know, I am not a fan of Adrian and Chester. I am literally a groupie. Yes, they know this. He's a stalker. <laughs> I, I am. They know this. They, they have accepted it over the last 10 years. Um, I, I firmly believe in the concept of managing to the one. So you can imagine, Adrian, now that I'm back in, you know, a big girl job, right, as a vice president and not doing my consulting firm uh, that much anymore, imagine the surprise when the vice president of HR stands up and tells people, no, you shouldn't be managing everyone the same way. Absolutely not. And they get this look of, wait a minute, you mean we're allowed to manage people differently? And I, and I try to explain to them this concept of everyone's needs are individual needs. And so the pushback that I get is, well, you know, we've always been told to practice the golden rule, treat others as you, how you want to be treated. My immediate response to that is, how about we practice the platinum rule? You treat others the way they want to be treated because the way you want to be treated could be completely different. Yeah. So how ha, have you seen the concept of managing to the one being embraced by human resources professionals at higher levels in organizations? Because I have found when I talk to colleagues at my level now in organizations, they're like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Yeah, and it's a, you know, a great, great astute question because 
in theory, we all think this is wise. You know, as you talk to other HR professionals, they all say, oh, absolutely. But in practice, do they do it? No heavens, no. Right. And, uh, and there are differentiators of, uh, of as you look at this. For instance, the rules. You know, if you look at the rule of sexual harassment, should everybody be treated exactly the same? Yes. You know, you can't let your top sales producer get away with something that you wouldn't let a line employee get away with. So as the rules go, we all have to follow the same rules and, and make sure we are, we are in compliance. Now, how I manage you may be very different. Again, you may be looking to grow and, you know, my millennials, for instance, have a very different idea of what managing means than I do, you know, later in my career now. Um, what we found, and this is fascinating in our latest research, like for instance, we've all believed that autonomy is one of the top drivers of a workplace. Um, Dan Pink in his book Drive says autonomy is actually the most important driver of workplace satisfaction. We actually find it isn't for millennials. It's actually one of the bottom drivers of 23 different human motivators. We found autonomy typically comes out on the bottom for more than 80% of millennials. Why? Well, they want to be managed closely. They want somebody to help them direct them through these complexities of, their, of this corporate world. And so while autonomy is very important for, for people in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, it is, you know, as one millennial told me, she said, autonomy. She says, that's terrifying. Why would I want to be autonomous in my work? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we have to understand that how we manage people is very different than the rules. And so I think as you're talking to a lot of the HR professionals, they, they haven't made that distinction yet between rules and how you manage people. You know, again, it, it's very different. You know, the level of recognition, too. You know, that's one of our, you know, we've always sort of worked in that realm of recognition. Again, as we look at generational differences, now, again, everybody's, everybody's different. I know that. But but we are seeing some generational differences where recognition is three times more important for our millennial employees and our iGen employees than it is for our older workers. As we, as we age, it sort of, we become more extrinsically motivated or intrinsically, sorry, motivated yeah. than we are extrinsically. But when we're younger, we do need a little bit more, many of us need a little bit more reinforcement. But again, well, if we think everybody's the same or we treat everybody the same, we're not going to be able to manage in this, in this very nuanced way. Right. Uh, the, be the behavioral needs and the motivation needs are differently. Um, a recent study that um, I use predictive index for the behavioral side and a recent study that they put out, um, they had the results that the millennial leaders that were graded between uh, great managers and bad managers, millennials many times uh, for the various questions came out on top for everything you just said. They are about the collaborative nuances. They are about the support and being supporter. They like getting feedback, so they're great at giving feedback. So their communication ability, where we think it's, it's distraught because of all the social technology, their need, their wants, and their desires about the input and the agreement and the consensus actually helps them when it comes to a management perspective. And it goes straight into what, you, to what you're talking about. I am curious to... Um, <clears throat> Because managing to one obviously takes a lot more time than yes. being able to manage to the bulk. So I'm curious to um, what is you're seeing from the executives, yeah. um, the owners that you're working with, and how are you creating the buy-in? I mean, the three of us know it's a no-brainer when it comes to the bottom line, how having the engagement increases the cash flow. We, yeah. we know that. 
but how are you getting through those barriers that, and, and I know I'm having them, so I'm curious to how you're getting through them when it comes to, yeah, you got to spend more time, but yeah, it's a huge win on the back end. And, you know, and I hate to be a defeatist, but, but I'll just be honest, if a manager or a leader doesn't get it, it's very hard. I, sometimes I get asked, uh, boy, you must go into some really diseased, tough environments. No, they never call me. You know, they probably never call you either. It's true, it's true. Those organizations that are good, that really get this. But and they're really, ready to level up again. Yes. Yeah, and they want to move up a little bit. <laughs> they want to really inculcate this. And so, you know, that's usually who we're working with. And that's good, but it's also bad because the ones who really need us don't call. Yeah. Now, with that said, you know, you asked a couple of questions in there, which I thought were good. <clears throat> is one is that how then do you inculcate this? How do you get managers really to sort of buy in and 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 really believe in this. And you know, one of the things, I was working with a, a marketing division of Microsoft a few years ago, and they were having a terrible time losing a lot of their millennial, you know, whether they were salespeople coming in or their, you know, really hot shots that they were bringing out of college. And what they started implementing was something they called aspirational conversations. Once a month, they your manager would sit down with you and have a meeting about your career. They wouldn't talk about your projects. They wouldn't talk about, you know, that personality issue you were having with, with Susan next door. No, it would just be about your career. Now, it could take 15 minutes or 30 minutes, mm -hmm. but who wouldn't go to a meeting excited like that if it was mm -hmm. all about me and my career and growth? Yeah. And they found in this one area that they cut their millennial turnover about in half just by simply having these aspirational conversations every month. You know, we got into Why is that so mind-blowing for people to get? Exactly. I, it's I very don't. simple. What we're not talking about is sometimes people want complexity. They want all these models and this and the other. Yeah. A lot of times it's just simply doing those hard things we, we need to do. And at the beginning of your question, you said, this may take a lot of time. And, and you're exactly right. This may take a little bit more time than you used to. But if we could cut your valuable employee turnover in half, and it takes half an hour per employee per month, would you do it? Probably you would. Now, again, that's one company that one example. Um, we had a chance to work with a large uh, retailer when they, when they merged two large other organizations together. They found that they had to do these aspirational conversations weekly with people to stem turnover. It was, you know, wow. a high-paced high retail organization yeah. that they were, you know, turnover is 100, 200% a year. Again, they were impacting turnover by simply talking about people's careers. How can we help you grow? And it's not just getting a promotion. You know, if yeah. I'm driven by ideas like creativity or, or maybe I am more autonomous, great. Let me help you, you know, maybe you could have a project design, redesigning the end caps for the retail store and, and finding ways to use that creativity and working independently. Yeah. Or maybe I'm driven more by teamwork or more by ideas of, of ownership. Well, there are ways that I can sculpt your job just a little bit to give you a few more of those things that you value and yeah, maybe a few yeah. of those, take away a couple yeah. of those little things that frustrate you. Yeah. And, and so I can tell you that um, after I read that in one of your books, and I can't remember if it was uh, What Motivates Me or The Best Team Wins, I think it was uh, the, the former, I started actually having uh, aspirational meetings uh, every fourth one-on-one -on -one with the people that report directly to me. And then I trained my leaders in the HROD division, which we have like 66 people in HROD in my company, and they all fall under me. And so that has all trickled down throughout the organization. And I can tell you, um, I've gotten nothing but positive feedback 
from, um, from the employees inside of HROD about how the shift in the one-on-one -on -one discussions has really just made, made HR a really great place to work. And, and then if, if the word of mouth wasn't good enough, the employee engagement scores came out uh, for my division and we did really, really well. We did above what the organization did. And I, um, my leadership uh, action planning readiness score, we use Prescani, so they use the APR, yeah. was uh, almost in the 90s, which is very, very, very high. And, and, that, and that was specifically because of I shifted from, hey, in these one-on-ones, which I always, always have, but I was very business focused, very, very business focused. And then I shifted and started having that third or fourth meeting be about, talk to me about how do you want to grow in the next 18 months? What activities, education, experience, projects can I put you on to help you achieve that growth? Mm -hmm. And people were like, what? Wait, wait, wow, that's, that's great, you know, and so um, I, I want to ask you something a little bit, um, I don't know how you're going to feel about this question, Adrian, but I've been doing a lot of reading lately about, oh, employee engagement is a thing of the past, and we now have to focus on the employee experience. experience. <laughs> and I, and I'm, so I did this, I literally went like that and scratched my head because I was thinking to myself, doesn't the employee experience drive engagement? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a, in some ways it's a little semantics. I mean, the idea okay. of employee engagement is, you know, what I think what the idea of this movement is, employee engagement is very work focused, where the employee experience is whole life. I'm yeah. worrying about you as a whole person. And of you know, and that's really what we're talking about here anyway. When we're talking about managing to the one, I should know that what's your personal life, a little bit. I'm, I'm not nosy, you know, and sticking my nose in where it's not wanted, but I do know, hey, how are the kids doing? You know, how are the, how's the, da, 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 da. I do know a few things about you and realize that you are a whole person who wants to achieve things within, you know, workplace and outside of the workplace. And so that's important. You know, maybe you run marathons, maybe a, maybe a mountain climb, whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think the whole life experience, I mean, it's a good word, it's a good term, employee experience, but how, no matter how we look at it, it really is creating this culture. It's really creating a place where we care about people and we value them as individuals. And so I tend not to get too hung up on the semantics of it. It's more the behaviors that we can drive. But it's really interesting. I think you're very astute that we're, we are moving in that direction. But, you know, in five years from now, there'll be another term and another term. And it really comes down to when you think about those great leaders from your past, like you're doing right now with your employees, those great leaders cared about us as individuals. Yeah. They gave us clarity of goal and mission. They recognized us when we did something great. Um, and they were very challenging to us. They pushed us to our, to our, you know, to our, you know, to, to reach our, our limit even. But so I think, you know, it's very, very, you know, maybe we're getting into the nuances of, of the wording, but really what it comes down to is do we care for our people? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, it's time for us to start wrapping this up. You know, I do want to interject that I think we're all saying and have been saying that it comes down to the conversations. I love adding the, the word aspirational conversations to that. Elizabeth um, was actually 
quoted, um, now it's been a couple of months ago on a podcast when asked, you know, kind of how, how you spend your day. And she's like, 80% of my day is around my people, for my people, teaching my people, talking to my people, mentoring my people. And, um, you know, people thought, wow, what a great idea. And of course we're like, well, what else would you be doing? I know. <laughs> so, you know, what it comes back to what's common to us, it's because it's what we do. And it's why, you know, obviously people call on all of us, but I think the more that we, you know, continue to talk about the need for the conversation and the conversation happens, not just from a culture standpoint, but it's how people, you know, um, uh, get sales. It's the conversation. It's not the marketing digital. It's the conversations and the word of mouth and the people that you know, and are you trusted? And it's the same thing in our work environments. And we just keep over complicating it. Mm -hmm. um, so Adrian, thank you for your time today. Why don't you give the listeners a couple things? We want to know best how to get in touch with you and I'll add it to the bottom of the link here, but then also, are there any closing thoughts? tips, uh, comments, a particular maybe chapter in your most recent book that they should zero in on. You, you tell us. Well, thanks. Well, thanks, Shelly and Elizabeth. First off, for your time today and your interest in our work and your support. Um, a couple of ways to get a hold of us. We're at thecultureworks.com. Uh, really, it's Adrian at thecultureworks.com or pick up one of our books wherever fine books are sold. Um, if there's one last thing I would say is probably you know, look, look where we all are. If you see our backgrounds here, we're all working in different places. We're all working. Some of us, are, you know, home offices, some of us, yeah. But so that the idea is wherever these, these things work, and when I was in Kuwait um, this last week, it was interesting. A lot of the uh, leaders came up and said, look, honestly, in our, we're a very patriarchal culture. We're very hierarchical in our company. They said, but, you know, a lot of these ideas, I'll try, but I'm really going to use them at home. And so that's one of the good things, too, is that no matter where we go and what we learn here with, with these leadership ideas that we're throwing out is that, you know, use them in your personal lives, too. Use them with your families. Use them to build better communities, whether you're, you know, volunteering at a nonprofit or whatever you're doing. That that's one, been one of the fun things we found as well. When we get emails back from people or they connect on LinkedIn, they say, you know, help me in my job, but really help me in my personal life. So that's been the most, I think, rewarding for us. I love that. You know, that's a different way for uh, folks that have kids um, to have conversations about grades and progress and goals. And you're right. And, and uh, especially as, you know, progress reports for uh, first semester starting to come out. So I love that. I'm going to use that too. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you so much. Elizabeth, any parting comments from you as well today before we put a wrap on this? Sure. I just want to say that um, I have met a lot of people in my 26 years in business. And I will tell uh, everyone who is watching and listening to this that there aren't uh, two finer people than the people that are on this on this video right now, Adrian Gostick and Shelly Smith, because they both bring a very similar perspective, but different worlds of experience to the table. Um, and it, it's just, it's always an honor for me to be a part of this with you, Shelly. And now, you know, Adrian, after almost 10 years of seeing you to be able to sit here and ask you questions, um, I think uh, it's really, it's been amazing for me as, as your self-professed uh, groupie. So thank you so much <laughs> for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank um, you both. 
Well, thank you so much, everybody. We hope you have a great day. And remember, no matter what, people matter, culture matters, and have some conversations today. Have some aspirational conversations today. Until then, peace out, everybody. Thank you for joining me and another guest for the Culture Hour. If you want to go back to past episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on any of your favorite apps and devices. If you're looking for a daily dose, a little short snippet, then all you need to do is hop over to the other podcast called Your Morning Commute. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for questions, other speakers, more topics, by all means, reach out. Shelly at PremierReport.com. Remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every day. Are you spending your money and your time and energy on repairs? Are you spending your time and your energy defining and maintaining? Be safe out there.